What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Hey, everyone. What's up? I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to episode 110 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring you the best experts in the Amazon and e-commerce industry, sharing their insights and most important aspects of selling online. If you're new to the show, welcome. Again, if you're watching on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, we're actually going to be asking a couple questions today. How does a full service agency approach growing the brands they work with? Uh, well, how do they approach that catalog optimization needs, creative assets, account health advertising, so on and so forth? How does an agency juggle all of these different concepts? So we're going to ask those questions today and get some insight, pull behind the curtain, if you will, with our guest today. We're going to see and talk about how e-commerce agencies drive growth for their clients. So aptly titled this cat or this episode, if you will, is titled Inside the Mind of a Full Service Agency. As always, Crossoverse Commerce is uh, presented by Ping Pong Payments. If you don't know anything about Ping Pong Payments, let me quickly tell you that they transfer more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers just like you. If you're listening to this, they've helped over 1 million Amazon customers to date in order to help them save on sending and receiving money online, processing over $90 billion in crossover uh, cross-border payments to date, which is 90 billion with a B, B folks. That's a lot of money that's changing hands and they're saving money for sellers just like you. So if you want to learn more information, go ahead and check that link out below. Save yourself some money if you're selling internationally or if you're uh, sending money to your VA, to your supplier and manufacturer, or if you're receiving funds from different Amazon marketplaces, check out Ping Pong, a uh, uh, payment service provider that is going to help you save money in the long run, no matter what size of business you are. Go and check them out today. Again, welcome everyone who's watching live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. As always, this is a live interactive show. So if you have a question or if you want to say hi to myself or our guest, go ahead and put that in the comments section. Or if you're watching on YouTube, put that in the description right over there to the right-hand section. We'll be able to see all those comments to make sure that we answer those. Just go ahead and uh, put those questions or tag us in those uh, comments section, even if this is after the fact. Go ahead and submit your questions and we'll be able to answer those as well. But about our guest today, it's not this show is not just about me. It's about our guests that we bring on, the experts, the the uh, the pioneers, if you will, of the Amazon and e-commerce space. No stranger to the show. He was back on season one, uh, one of the first, <clears throat> excuse me, few episodes that we had uh, when the show was taking off. But wanted to bring him back because he wants to give that his insight to the agency side of being on Amazon. And there's been a lot of this going on since October, November timeframe when we last spoke. But our guest today with six years in the world of Amazon, maybe seven now, since we last talked to him, having worked on thousands of e-commerce businesses, large and small, Keith O'Brien, <clears throat> excuse me, now leads a team of keyword specialists, copywriters, photographers, creative directors, designers, data geeks, advertising strategists, and brand managers to bring page one solutions to brands looking to scale their Amazon businesses. Keith is a dad, author, golfer, and foodie. We relate uh, there fully um, and is generally easily influenced by great food, a nice red, or a tasty bourbon. All sounds good to me. Um, about page one, <clears throat> excuse me again, page one is a full service Amazon agency. They've been helping brands grow for at least six to seven years now, currently helping clients generate more than $200 million a year. I'm assuming gone up uh, since we last talked to them. Uh, on Amazon and page one is unique that they have an in-house team with content optimization, photography, design, PPC management, and account management all in one. We're going to get that insight from him today. Welcome to Crossover Commerce. Welcome back to Crossover Commerce, I should say. Keith O'Brien of Crossover Commerce. Keith, how is it going, sir? Hey, how are you? Great to have you. Uh, man, I'm doing Thank you so much. I'm doing all right, man. It, it's been a while since we last connected, but you've been busy, I'm assuming. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, life's been full for sure. I just get my. I, I I think I have background envy, man. You've spent some good time uh, personalizing that background of 
uh, you know, but you know, when when you're big time, that's what you got to do, man. You need to set. So I appreciate triple. I was gonna say when you get to triple digits, that's when the the heat's on. You have to start uh, innovating, coming up with color, really starting to pop. You start to watch a lot more YouTube videos, honestly, about how to stand out on <laughs> stuff like this. So it is what it is. Uh, but but that's I appreciate awesome. the the nice touches uh, always. But hey, thanks for coming on. You're in an office. For now, last time you were in your home. So what's kind of it, uh, since we last connected with you, what's it been like uh, over the past couple of months for uh, page one? Yeah, I mean, our office is still a bit of a ghost town. So we have, uh, um, we have like a converted warehouse in South Florida, uh, twin, twin warehouse studios or bays. And, you know, the bottom floor is all where the warehouse would is right it's all converted for photography studios um so like in the downstairs we have a fully built out like italian kitchen we have a bedroom set living room set big cyclorama wall for full length background shots and then i'm upstairs in the in the office space and you know i'm the only one here but uh it's cool most of the most of the team has settled into working from home and i think uh i I actually don't know if we'll ever hire another employee that chooses to work full time out of the office unless their responsibility is deemed necessary, like the photographers downstairs. So right. I think a lot of flex, I think a lot of flex scheduling is in the entire world's future, right? Uh, you know, a couple of days in the office, a couple of days out. You know, assuming you've got the you've got the home life to be able to do that. I was going to say, or, and you have the right people to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to get the job done. And I think that's key is making sure you have the right team surrounding you. My team has been fully remote hundred percent since, uh, for the past year plus, And it's been definitely interesting. I know people are starting to get out in the world, go to conferences, start doing meetups again. Uh, is that, is that something on your radar coming kind of, kind of full circle? If is that something in the yeah, next couple of months for you? I think our booth is actually close to yours at Prosper. Aren't you guys? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we do have a booth at Prosper, and I, I think I do remember that. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I tried to get between, right by you guys, but I think I'm actually across the uh, across the the center area. But we we're just booking now, and I just booked a hotel for Prosper. I I was late to the game. I didn't think it was going to happen, to be honest, and so I kind of just snoozed on it and. Uh, but it's all good. Um, it's been a long time, man. We sponsored our previous company. We sponsored the first Prosper show back like six years ago. So wow. it's kind of cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I know yeah. it, it, it seems to be, it seems to be a hot topic that a lot of people are kind of circling on their map uh, or at least for the rest of the year, Prosper. Um, if we're talking events specifically, I think IRCE, um, formerly known as IRCE Retail X in Chicago, there's a couple other one-off uh, events I think that are happening, but even just smaller meetups, people are starting to try to dip their toes back into the the getting in touch with people, networking again in person. Is that is that really important sure. for an agency like yours to to get out there and be the face in front of sellers like that? Uh, I mean, it, it can be. I think uh, you know. I think. We haven't, I don't think we've exhibited at Prosper before. We, we sponsored it, but didn't have a booth the first year, years ago. And then we've always been attendees. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, like the last event was in Vegas with, that I went to, which was that White Label Expo event. Um, and while, you know, it wasn't a great event, you know, whatever we can say about that. But, you know, we, we did pick up a couple of really good clients from there. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, some one of which has become a very good friend. And, uh, you know, so it's, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, we're always trying to, you know, continue to contribute to the, to the ecosystem in terms of content and, um, and training and just giving back to an industry that's, that's given so much this way. So, uh, you know, that's part of our reason for being there. And, uh, you know, look, as an agency, we're, we're full service. And so, uh, you know, we come off to an event like that. And honestly, if, if we meet a half a dozen really good clients, then it's a, it's a great weekend for us. We're, you know, we're, we're midsize kind of boutique ish. 
So, uh, you know, we'll take on 20 new full service clients for the year, right? So it's not like we're out there trying to get, you know, 200 people to come. Right. And that, and as almost a, as a, as a full service agency, because you guys don't specialize in just PPC or photography only, we've had people that just on the show specifically just have a specialization in those areas. Is it more, is it more harder, excuse me, less hard to be more across the board as an agency rather than just solely focused on one aspect of the business? Sure. I mean, I think there's a challenge, right? And it, it just, you know, it goes to uh, having leadership on those teams, right? You know, so, you know, a team leader or department uh, head for us would be very similar to, you know, a, a consultant or a small a- an agency that focuses on just one thing. So we do take people on for ad management only. Uh, and then we do project-based stuff on the creative side. Um Generally speaking, on the creative side, it's it's uh, larger projects, right? So we work with you know mid-sized to large brands, and you know we're we're doing ten products at a time or twenty products at a time, or, you know whatnot. So it's it tends to be that. But you know we do shoot product for everybody, right? And we do content for everybody. Um, you know our marketing focus tends to be full service. That's amazing. It, what, what's so, as, you as a person? Is your background in more? It's in photography, correct? That's what you were before page one. You specifically? Not at all. No, uh, not at all. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I've shot some great photos with my iPhone on vacation, but you know, <laughs> for some reason, I, you uh, came across as the photographer. I, oh, look, I've I've dove into that space because I like um, what I re- like. I I really enjoy. Uh, conversion rate optimization. Like uh, I think that I love the psychology of buying. Uh, And so, you know, my background is primarily, uh, um, you know, direct response advertising and then leadership development. So, uh, you know, I've always been in some sort of marketing or sales role. And, uh, and, you know, I ran a leadership organization for 10 years. Prior to that, I spent five years selling, you know, uh, personal development and transformational courses. So, you know, that's been the bulk of my career. And then, you know, I always just liked uh, how that kind of mindset and uh, um, and understanding of how our minds work translated over into consumer buying behavior. Right. So that, that's always just been an interest and a passion of mine. And when we got started in the industry six and a half years ago, that's kind of what I dove into. I mean, seven years ago, no one knew how to you know, search for keywords or write any copy. All the images on Amazon were pretty much taken with an iPhone or from a, from a manufacturer. And, you know, that's how much the industry has evolved in the last, you know, five and a half, six years. It's crazy. Right. And even since we last spoke on here, so much has changed specifically in the logistics side of things, but then also inventory management uh, side of things. There's so much happening. And just even this past week, we were talking about, uh, I mean, anyone I get on a call right now, it's my IMI is completely shot. I've been selling on it. Maybe you even posted something like this where I've been selling on Amazon for six years and we have clients who've been selling on since the dawn of FBA, but now all of a sudden, They've just completely ruined our inventory levels. I'm curious because this is such a hot topic. What what's going on? Like in your mind as an agency, what what's going on? Uh, look, I think um, it's always fun to like wax philosophical about what you think Amazon's thinking, but the reality is none of us really you know really know. So you know if I were to you know, I think for the first time, probably in history, Amazon as a company is understaffed, right? Like this, this to, to think about this with how many hundreds of thousands, I think they're pushing 700,000 global employees or something, you know, to think that they could be actually understaffed is crazy, but I, I actually think they are, right? So, you know, uh, you know, last year we saw Amazon kind of, they took the role of almost the Red Cross with distributing, you know, PPE products and, um, and, 
And so millions and tens and tens of millions of pieces of that, you know, were, were in their warehouses and given priority and sold. And, you know, that's while well, that stuff is, is dying back a bit, you know, I think they're pressed. I think, you know, e-commerce took a huge lift in this last year. Um, there's, uh, you know, businesses that used to have 5% of their business on Amazon now have 30% of their business on Amazon. Um, and, uh, you know, and so everyone got the wake up that, you know, especially mid-sized to large manufacturers that, you know, maybe had 70, 80, 90% of their business in retail. Well, they've spent the last 15 months, 16 months completely overhauling their business uh, so that this shit doesn't happen to them again, right? Um, uh, nobody, you know, nobody likes laying off staff. And if you were heavy into retail last year, you know, you had all those hard conversations. It's just really, it's really difficult. So, you know, I think that they're scrambling. Uh, you know, we had a client that went from, you know, oversized that went from 1,600 units, 1,800 unit limit to 1,000 overnight. Now there's 650 pieces over the limit. Um, another client that went from 12,000 where they were pushing 11,000 total, um, they got dropped to 4,500 overnight. I mean, it's, Jesus. I mean, it, you know, I mean, those are containers on the water. Those are, you know, trucks en route, you know, and I think those guys are going to be sitting there trying to get, you know, inventory into Amazon for a long time. You know, it's, it's so for, for a simplistic reason, when you're over thousands of units or hundreds of units, what actually happens? Like what's the ramifications from the Amazon won't sell it yeah. or they won't let you restock what, what's kind of the actual ramifications in real life for that yeah i mean look, I, be, to be honest i, I don't know a hundred percent right because it's just happening so you certainly can sell it all right uh when it comes time for for inventory charges if you don't sell through it's going to be it's going to be pricey right so you know uh but you know, like the conversation is, do you just try to sell through real fast? But then if you do, you're probably going to get penalized and, and actually get your limits reduced. Um, so I think it's going to be a balance. Thing. I think that there's this immediate thing to deal with, with these overages and, you know, inventory that's stuck and you can't have as much at, F at FBA as you'd like. Um, but once that's kind of handled, then it's just a strong FBA, FBM, you know, strategy that is really for for most e-commerce sellers is is no longer an option it's a it's a must-have right right um, and you know back in the day back in the day like the the beauty was you know everyone would send straight from your manufacturer into fba never touch inventory never have to hit a 3pl it was just simple right but uh, those days are gone history i was going to say are, are you guys going to have to start on offloading uh, inventory to a warehouse somewhere and start handling that out yourself as another part of your agency. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we just hopefully we just sell it, you know, through Amazon before the before the bills come due. And uh, but then you've got to you absolutely got to get your head around uh, that FBA slash FBM hybrid model and be able to flip the switch on on SKUs as they go out of stock on FBA and just constantly the inventory management is going to take a lot bigger piece of people's time than it used to. So as an agency, maybe ask me this. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear from your point of view. Are you guys actively going to your clients and saying we should launch new products right now? Or are you saying my expertise in my opinion would be let's hold off a little bit right now and see kind of where the dust settles? Yeah, so I think it's an individual scenario uh, per client, right? But, um, you know, we, we're kind of hard-pressed for growth, right? So we're always going to want to launch new SKUs. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so some of our clients are on the vendor side, and, you know, they're in a little bit different position where, uh, you know, a lot of their sales come through, comes through the direct fulfillment um, you know, process anyway, which is, you know, Amazon's old dropship program. Um, so they're kind of business as usual, right? Uh, um, but on the FBA side, yeah, it's, it's sure. But we'll launch new SKUs through FBM if need be. Um, 
you know, it's been interesting. I don't know uh, if anyone else picked it up. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I said, you know, there's there's subtle little hints that you know that Amazon is 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 incentivizing FBM. Like if you look on your uh, um, like for me anyway, like whatever on the Amazon buying app, uh, you know, whenever I used to open it up, it always would be toggled permanently to Prime, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To filter by Prime, right? Because I'm a partner, like everybody else in the world, right? But I noticed a couple months ago, it started defaulting to that Prime little toggle being off, right? Which yeah. means you're going to show a lot more FBM search, which is interesting. Um uh, and if they don't do something with seller fulfilled prime to, to bring it back and open back up, they've got to do something. There, there's it makes sense for Amazon to to have more prime badges on more products, especially with warehouses that can actually handle the 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 the, the, the rules. It makes sense for them, right? I mean, it, it, it decentralizes the inventory as long as people are holding to the standards that Amazon creates. It's it's a win win for everybody, you know, the, the business, the customer, and Amazon. So hopefully they do something right. regarding that. Absolutely, and that's what we've been hearing a lot too. And that's the frustration with all sellers is, even though they might hold, be held to a very high standard of fulfilling in two days, Amazon even now logistically, products are not even being shown across country because logistically they just can't get it there in time, uh, per that sure. prime inventory level or that prime badge uh, promise uh, getting to you in two, two days or less. So that that's another thing that I think is pretty fascinating. Is that something where you think long-term can legally hurt Amazon potentially as, Hey, we have the standard, but we hold it to other people differently. I don't know. I don't, I don't know any, any other business where what just happened would even, you know, be legitimate and, and not like, create massive lawsuits right like you know right here here's your here's the rules here the goalposts are here right so okay let's get all this stuff into into fba and then oh no now that we have all the inventory sorry but you're over the limit and we're going to start charging you for that like that's just insane right it's just it's just insane but it is what it is right you uh the, it it if there's no value given to spending time on the stuff within Amazon that you cannot change, right? So you figure out how to how to play by you know the ever changing system, and ultimately, you know, you know, we'll still see a couple billion visitors on on their site, you know, in any given month, and you know, so it's uh, uh, it's still a great place to play and 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 have a, at least a, a good portion of your business when it comes to e-commerce. Yeah, this is the this is kind of the scenario I always tell people is is if you're playing when you were a kid, everyone's playing by one set of rules, and all of a sudden the person who's theoretically the boss or the king or whoever changes the rules instantaneously. Yeah. Like, oh no, 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 this is actually what's happening. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Then everyone ebbs and flows and plays by that rule, and then whoever is the big kid on the block can always change those rules instantaneously, make it fair for them. Everyone else is like, wait, that's not fair. You tagged me and I was on base. Nope, not not the case anymore. So I like to make right. it simplistic in that. When I ex- explain it to at least my family. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it is. It really is. Um, no place to the, do the rules change more, more quickly and more consistently than Amazon. Um, but with that said, you know, it was a breakout year and a, and a huge right. year for, for the vast majority of businesses that – Figured it out, kept the pedal down, figured out what to do on their channel uh, and in their store, um, and and got the work right. So, right, um, you know, we saw lots of clients with with massive growth years. Uh, uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's still it's still a pretty good game to play. Absolutely. So, what what who's the uh, so right now who is the space benefiting more? Is it agencies? Is it private label sellers? Is it one piece sellers? Who, who's the game benefiting the most right now? I said the game, well, I but I think everyone that's that's you know that's staying focused and you know working hard and staying you know uh, creative uh, is is winning, right? Uh, you know we've seen huge brand growth, um, you know on both the vendor and the FBA and the third party side. Um, agencies, you know, a lot of my friends that own agencies have, you know, hugely, 
you know, years in the last 12 months. On the agency side, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, because it's so staff intensive, right? It gets, it, you know, growth can be a challenge, right? Um, and, you know, the old agency model is just work all your staff until they can't breathe, right? So it's, which is not fun. It's not good for anybody. It's not a long-term good strategy. So, um, uh, you know, you'll see, you're seeing a lot of movement in the agency space. Obviously with all the aggregators, it's been, you know, there's been hundreds and hundreds of brands that have been acquired. Um, you know, that's creating other, uh, you know, uh, challenges within the industry and, you know, finding talent and staff and all that is getting incredibly, you know, much, much more competitive. Um, and, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be the right fit for the right person, the right professional. You know, some people are great and love it working at big companies, uh, you know, with hundreds of staff and for other people, that's a nightmare, right? And, great. you know, some people are going to love to, you know, park their hat at, at an aggregator and take the run. And, uh, and for other people that is far too risky, right? To, to hang your hat on that single you know, depending on what happens over the next couple of years. So it's just, there's, there's a place for everybody in the space. If you're, if you're a consummate professional, you keep learning uh, and, you know, you dig in and try to put your best uh, effort forward every day. You know? So where, as an agency owner, where are you guys growing the most? Is it for, for staff wise, is it the need for more ad, ad uh, specialists or is it more for logistics or is it copywriters? Where's the growth? really happening where you yeah. guys are just, you just can't find enough uh, people to fill it. Yeah, we're kind of across the board. So we're hiring right now on our advertising team. We're about to hire our brand management team. Um, and then behind the brand managers is the catalog team. Uh, and so, you know, we're good on the creative side um, and we're good on the, on the content side at the moment. But, you know, uh, you know, a, a brand manager, realistically can only uh, handle a certain number of clients and, and those are dependent on you know how many SKUs they manage what the, the complexity of the account looks like you know you could have a 2000 SKU catalog and it could be a relatively simple straightforward you know account to manage well that's that's a lie you could have a 2000 SKU catalog and it could be simpler than a 50 SKU catalog that has a lot of account issues right so um you know it's just a matter of kind of keeping that, that blend and, and, you know, on the agency side, you got to hire ahead of your growth always, you know, cause if you wait till that's there, then, then you're too late and you're scrambling. So it's a dance and balance. And, you know, I do think that uh, what the industry will see as a whole, um, and this is all the way through is that, you know, costs are going to go up. Right. So, you know, the consumers probably haven't felt it yet, but it's coming. Right. I mean, container costs four times as much as it used to ship across um, yep. all the, in your cost of goods are all going up because all the raw material costs are all going up because all the they're getting squeezed. I mean, steel, you know, as just as a, as a raw material has gone up like, you know, a couple hundred percent, you know, this year. It's just nuts. So um, and then, you know, talent's going up, you know, and I know, you know, sellers and businesses don't want to pay it. But at the end of the day. You know, uh, all service providers, just like you guys, have to maintain a certain level of margin in order to serve the clients that you serve. And uh, you know, when talent gets paid more, guess what? It, it, it's got to you know, be felt by the actual clients. So I think it's it's all going to get pushed forward a little bit. You know, uh, this year certainly, and maybe in the next, and you know, hopefully it'll it'll stabilize. So is that is that why it's is that the easiest pitch for you as a company then? as uh, an agency say, hey, you can go to five different locations to optimize on one thing. We can do it all in-house, save you a little bit more money. But in that regards, you can actually win more business in that regards. Is that a, is that a positive for agency model? Because at, we're always talking about here at Ping Pong, at least, how can you find ways to put money towards your bottom line? I would assume if you can have it all in-house under one roof, that's a win for most sellers, right? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think um, every business owner is different, right? So, uh, you know, some are building in-house creative teams, right? And need, and you know, and then are, we're like, we're working with brands like that. And they're just 
piling their asset, their creative assets through to us and where we're repurposing it for different things. You know, Amazon has become, uh, it's, it's, it's different today. You know, there's a lot more places for creative. Uh, you know, you take advertising as an example, you know, uh, there, you know, there are creatives where a couple of years ago, there really weren't any, right? And so between images, video, post Amazon lives, there's all kinds of new ways to get your brand in front of a consumer. And so the, the breadth of what an agency does uh, is growing, right? Um, and uh, some will do it all, right? Um, you know, our kind of view is we want to do more uh, for the brands that we're engaged with so we can have a bigger impact on their business. You know, if it, if it falls under our purview, we want to be able to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, whether it's more or less expensive, it's simpler, right? You've got a single point of contact, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're overseeing all of our different departments. And so, uh, not only can you keep really solid brand consistency, right? So your your content is in alignment with your images, with their in alignment with your A plus and your storefront and your advertising and your posts and all this other stuff. But um, you know, you you do have one place to be on top of all of it, you know, because God knows you have enough of the other parts of your business to deal with, especially with supply chain and inventory and all these things that are impressive, right? So I think simplicity is is a big key. So where's the, where's the growth happen? Where does the growth start for you as a agency? What what's prioritization number one? When new client sure. comes on board, where do you guys start? Yeah, I was writing about this the other day. So let's take let's take it's an let's give the an example. It's an existing uh, existing brand, right? So let's say the brand's doing seven figures, a million bucks, a million and a half bucks. So uh, good size, you know, uh, maybe it's uh, the Amazon division of, you know, of a company that does retail, maybe other e-commerce, what have you. It's a portion of their business. So um, we would start and just we start by learning, really. You know, uh, we want to learn all the history, as much as the history as we can on Amazon. We want to learn their history off of Amazon. We want to learn the kind of the, the process and the, the historical data of all their individual products. You know, some of that we can decipher from reporting, right? So we're going to pull all the reports, look at all of it. You know, we want to find out what the drivers are from, from a revenue standpoint, from a profitability standpoint, uh, uh, from a conversion rate, what are the highest ones. And then we want to look for all the things that are impeding those things, right? So. You know, we look at account health issues. We we hear the kind of you know you, we got to find out where all the bodies are buried related to all these these products over the last couple of years. Um, you know what's worked, what hasn't. You know what issues have you had? You know this one right here has had you know a little bit of high of an NC, uh, NCX rating. Why? What are customers saying? Go back through the old you know crappy reviews. You just got to you just take time and you got to assess their whole catalog. Uh, once you've done that, so it's kind of like it's really hard to get there if you don't understand where here is, right? So right. We, before we can go into okay, what goals are we going to establish? We got to just kind of understand the foundation. Now, while we're doing that, because nobody wants to wait for all that to happen, right? While we're doing that, we're trying to we're going to do trying to pull some levers to to see if we can make some improvements on what we would just low hanging fruit, right? You know, is there is there a lot of ad waste that we can trim right away that's just, you know, being spent on non-converting keywords? You know, so saving money oftentimes makes people just as happy as making more of it, right? So right. can we trim some waste? You know, uh, uh, we can generally optimize content really fast, right? So, you know, can we optimize the content of the top five best sellers so uh, so we're making a, a so that we're catching and making a bigger difference on the traffic that's already coming, right? So we generally will we'll, we'll tear out the catalog. Let's say there's 50 products. Generally speaking, six to ten of those are going to be the best sellers, and that's going to represent 70 to 80 percent of their revenue, and the rest are going to fill in the rest. 
So uh, we like to start off with what's actually driving the current growth and revenue um, and see if we can make that better. Usually doing that shows the biggest win increases, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then we look for potentially like some product that may have been, you know, forgotten about, you know, it's uh, the step kid, the little kid table for the holidays that just hasn't gotten the attention, but market potential is huge, right? So, um, but it's always easier on Amazon to take something that's already spinning, you know, like the rivers running by, you're just putting your cup in it, so to speak, than it is to try mm -hmm. to, you know, launch something security into into the spotlight. Um, so yeah, so we took a client, uh, we just did a one year review, uh, smaller client, we picked them up when they were doing about 400k a year. Um, uh, they've got a lot of business off Amazon. Amazon was just really under underserved. Um, so in the year we did just that, we got to work on their best sellers. I think their, their top line revenue grew by 80 something percent. Um, but we did that mostly through conversion rate optimization. Uh, you know, we increased their conversion rate from store wide from a little over 10 to a little over 20, uh, with wow. their best sellers averaging in the mid thirties. So, you know, their best sellers tripled the conversion rate and the rest of the store kind of, you know, got close to double. And that was the biggest difference in their store, you know, um, was making, making more use of the visitors that were coming. And then we really, like, they had ongoing serious account health issues. And so protecting the buy box and getting stuff, you know, getting hijackers off listings, freeing up some of the products, um, uh, that was, those were huge wins. So as an agency, what, what's the, you're going into a client, what are the typical ways that you're going to say, these are deliverables, your KPIs, if you will, what's the traditional ones that one would work under? Is it conversion rate optimization or is it, what, what are those parameters that you're going to say, these are our deliverables. We, you pay us if we hit, the, hit those deliverables, is it a scaling feature or is it just a flat out nature? How does that work typically with a, an agency like yeah. you guys? I think every agency is different, but for us, like we take a, a, a base fee and then we take a percentage of what we call adjusted gross revenue, right? So it, for us, adjusted gross means uh, top line revenue minus FBA fees minus Amazon commission. So we're not gonna take a percentage off the top of part of the fees that Amazon's charging you, right? So, right. Um, but every account's a little different, right? So that what that base is and then what that percentage is is going to be different for each business. Uh, we try to kind of scale out what the workflow looks like in the first year. And that's going to influence the, you know, if, if you're brand new to market and you've got, you know, you know, you're, you've got a hundred, you know, SKUs to, to, to build out. Like that's, that, you know, that's eight a month with creative and copy and everything. Like, you know, if you want to try to do that on an a la carte basis, you're going to spend a fortune, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so so we're going to take a base, and that base generally covers like you, what you got to remember is you're, you're you're now handing over the running of your business to to a team, right? And so you know, even just at the current revenue, there's all this work that your team internally no longer has to do, either you or your staff or your staff. So that's that's part of it, right? But no one wants to pay to just hand over your your business and, and not grow. So the rest of it comes with growth. And so, um, so the answer to your question specifically, it's all of those things, right? So um, sometimes we get a we get a business that you know, man, their assets look, their images look amazing, their their A plus looks amazing, their content looks amazing, and now it's like you know, let's pour on growth strategies, let's optimize the advertising. Let's you know work together for new product opportunities that fit nicely within your existing, uh, you know, uh, families of products. Um, let's work on increasing the session count through all the different ways and levers that we have now. So, but that's to be honest, that's that's rare, right? That's that's rare that all those other things are are in place. They're usually in place for a portion of the catalog, but not all of it. Gotcha. Yeah. So and in your mind, not, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sometimes they're, you know, they're not in place for any of it. You know, we, we manage a, a 5,000 plus SKU catalog that's a hybrid account. And I mean, everything, everything needs to be updated over time. 
absolutely absolutely and i i just want to give a quick shout out to uh, everyone who's watching online uh rob stanley friend who's now over at gatita uh keith is a great knowledge person in the amazon space but he actually had a question come in keith what is the number one tip you would suggest for new uh sellers on amazon ppc etc number one tip for new sellers um yeah that's a loaded question man <laughs> i was gonna say come on rob like, think, like, it could be a little bit easier question man <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll be a I'll, I'll be i think protecting your margin i think is probably the most important thing you know like if you're not in the game with with a big enough spread if you're not you know five times your your cost or four times your if you're under 50 bucks and you're not five times your cost it's going to be tough i think it's going to be very difficult to to continue to buy customers and you have to assume that you're going to need to buy all of your customers for a period of time until you get organic traction um and at any given time you know your need to advertise more or less is going to is going to change right so you got to make sure that you've got that that margin spread, um, and then you you know like especially if you're in a competitive space, you got to get off the wall of it and just invest into your business and and spend some money on advertising strategically. Um, but you you gotta you gotta get yourself into the game, right? Uh, see, look at that, you're on it, Rob. Uh, so uh, and it's going to take a minute to to get yourself. I mean, you're you're fighting your way in. To the lineup right i mean with with businesses that some of them have been there for years right and they're not going to give up their their real estate easily so you know you got to be strategic you got to try to think in ways that they aren't most most sellers are smarter today than they were three years ago um you know uh but there are there are crazy niches i was i was doing a coaching call the other day i said this on another podcast with a client and uh we were looking through keywords and there was there was a Keyword that was great for their brand that was there was no advertising on zero. I was like, wow. go launch that campaign and bid two cents. It's all yours, you know. Yeah, just take um, it. <laughs> yeah, yours. You know, I mean, thousands of searches a month and nobody advertising. It was crazy. Well, it, it going off of that point, and you and Rob made a uh, an interesting point. I've heard this more, and I started thinking about this as time's gone has as time has gone on. So many people seem, especially sellers, seem infatuated with the $25 or less product. And to me, as a seller or as a person who's looking at that, there's one of two things when I look at margin. Either better be getting that for like a nickel or there better be a high quantity that you're going to be pumping out and it's going to be worth it. That being said, why don't more people look at higher valued products to sell online when now more luxury items and you know things of just over a hundred dollars are becoming more and more commonly purchased online why don't sellers look at that a little bit more instead of the 25 dollars in or, or under products honestly i think it's it's mostly capital right capital and and uh breaking through potential fears right um so let's say you have a product that's gonna that's gonna retail for hundred dollars right you're probably when it's that when it's that pricey of a product you don't need a five to one markup anymore you're probably good with a three to one markup right if you can source that and land that product for 33 dollars, you're probably in pretty good shape um you know because even after your 15 percent and then you know depending on what your fba fees are like i personally sell a product that sells for 99 dollars for 100 bucks my fba fees are only four dollars because it's light um uh so there's plenty of room in there for a landed cost of like 32 dollars 33 dollars which is where we're at um but that was a twenty-five thousand dollar, you know first order buy right so and that's only 500 units right so you know by the time you finish with the creatives and my goodness you're selling a hundred dollar product you better put some, you better put some good images on that thing and uh um and so by the time you get all said and done, you're probably in for that first queue at 25 grand. And so uh, that's a that's a big, you know, swallow for for a lot of you know starting sellers. For the larger brands, you know, uh, you know, or for growing brands, or you know, like we have that same 5,000 SKU catalog, 
you know, we sell table games and, you know, big stuff and, you know, foosball tables and pool tables and all kinds of stuff that is incredibly expensive. So the amount of money that that company has on the water at any given time is, is, is crazy. Um, but, you know, Amazon's, a, you know, 10% or 5% of their business and they have you know, lots of different distribution points. So it, it mitigates the, the, the risk. Um, sure. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, for most people, it's capital disbursement. And, you know, when the price of the product keeps, you know, starts creeping up there, you know, it's uh, it just you just always have more money in motion. Right. Yeah. And it's sitting on a single on less skews. Right. I was going to say, so in your opinion, would you rather sell more of one product at a lower price point or less at a higher price point? Is there is there a different stressor in each of those cases as an agency? Velocity versus you know, quality. Does that make sense? You know, I think what I'd rather, you know, I just want to sell what sells, right? And it makes profit for our clients, right? So, um, you know, my girlfriend has an extremely successful e-commerce business. And, you know, uh, her most expensive product is 50 or 60 bucks. And she has a lot of stuff that's 20 and under. And she just crushes it, right? At, at great margins. Um, and... Uh, her business is for sale, by the way. So anyway. Uh, so if you're but, an aggregator um, out there right now and you're listening, business yeah, is for uh, sale, you need to contact Keith. Uh, Instagram, yeah. his Instagram uh, handle's right there. So message him directly. Well, he'll oh, be God. the one who facilitates those fees. Yeah. That's <laughs> a, uh, but, uh, you know, look, I think it's, it's, there's not better or worse. It's just different, right? So, uh, you know, that client of ours, doesn't want to compete against the, the low end uh, space. They tend to license or uh, or manufacture things that are at, are at a premium level. Like their their exclusive license holder for Garlando foosball tables, an Italian manufacturer. These things are freaking amazing. I mean, you know, it's the you know anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollar table, but these things are tanks, right? Some of them are indoor right. outdoor. Their craftsmanship is just it's like the Ferrari of foosball tables but then you know uh you can get you know perfectly good foosball table for probably 400 bucks 500 bucks right so uh or you can probably get some real crappy ones that are going to last the summer for for 150 bucks right so you know i just think it's it's whatever your your whatever your flavor is is is, is good to run with and um and it's just you know you, you find that that uh, groove and and just run as fast as you can with it right so things I never thought I would hear on the podcast today, the Ferrari of foosball tables, mark it down. <laughs> it's going to, my, it's going to my book of great quotes from this podcast, Ferrari of foosball tables. Love it. That's amazing. Well, that's the thing is almost anything online can be sold in theory. If you're solving a product, it's just, what's your cost? What can you sell it for? Is there an audience to purchase it? If you can sell the Ferrari of foosball tables one a day and you make your nut, instead of selling a hundred, like you said, cheap ones are going to last you a year. Of course, you're going to probably opt for one. You'd spend a little bit more to get that one acquisition. It's a little bit easier to do than consistently do a hundred a day to just make up for that one. Sure. That'd be, it, it's not yeah. just the revenue thing because you know how Amazon works, right? It's all about ranking, right? So it's going to be significantly harder to rank those premium goods. Uh, than it is the, the lower price ones that are going to benefit from volume and a higher conversion rate. Uh, right. So, you know, it's you got to kind of weigh it, and there's probably a sweet spot in there. And and uh, um, but again, I think it all just comes back to like how you want to deploy your capital, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's the name. Of, that's the name of the game. You need plenty of it at this time frame. So how does how does your approach? Uh, a couple before we get to the top of the hour. Um, how does your approach as an agency continue with the rest of the year? Because we've just uh, passed that one third mark of the year. We're looking at Prime Day mid June, which is hasn't been officially announced yet, but it's being heavily hinted at. So we have Prime Day, and we're going hot into Q three, Q four. What's kind of the strategy for you and your team moving for the rest of the year? Yeah, this new um, this new move by Amazon to you know keep things unannounced until the last minute. It's really awesome. You know, uh, 
I was gonna say it makes so vacationing right now pretty pretty easy, right? We're two, and half, <laughs> we're two and a half weeks away from mid June. Like, how in the world is this date not announced yet? But anyway, so uh, so let's say it is mid June, right? Um, which is odd because there's a there's another fairly big sales day mid June, which is Father's Day, right? So Father's Day for a lot of products is is a huge bump, right? It's a big sales absolutely. Bump. So I know for, you know, for, for some of our brands, it's, it's, you know, Father's Day bump is the second biggest behind Q4, right? So um, uh, some it's Mother's Day, it just depends on the, the focus, but it's, it's interesting. So right now, you know, Prime Day, like you already have had, your deals were due in ages ago. Uh, so if some got accepted, uh, you know, then there's a variety of different things you can do to strategize for it. But on top, but don't forget Father's Day, right? Because we did all of our, like our creatives for Father's Day, uh, you know, over the coming, the last couple of weeks and months. Um, and so, you know, we like to uh, highlight that, like, we'll, we might change out a, um, an A plus content. We may change out, put a separate tab in the store, um, you know, specifically for that, that holiday. If you get, um, sometimes you can get, you know, creatives through on sponsored brands um, that that highlight Father's Day. Um, generally, can't say sale, but you know, you put a dad with their Assu kids. Assuming, yeah, assumingly, yeah. yeah. Now with all the different creatives that you can do, um, uh, so there's lots of options, a way to draw eyeballs, right? Um, and then you know, there's all the things with you know, with posts and lives and everything that you can do to, to pick up some some viewers that, you know, you just, that just didn't exist a couple of years ago. Absolutely. We, uh, we talked about a few episodes ago, we actually said less is more, let the customer assume what the product is for and not tell them what it's for because they might opt out and they might not, uh, want to feel pigeonholed. Like that's not for father's day. I want that for grandparents day or something sure. silly and stupid like that. So almost less content is more, uh, more opportunity is what that we were talking about. So, that would be something for obviously it could be a prime day sale or it could be father's day sale. Like you said, assumingly people can look at it one way or another. Um, it's going to make the thing though, because you know, I mean, that was what prime day was invented for. was to, 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 to put a little shot in the arm of the summer, which normally sucks for e-commerce, right? It's just right. Abysmal. Um, and prime day is, was created just in the middle of the slowest, you know, e-commerce month of the year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, June, July, August, uh, or July, August, September, really. Um, and it's, uh, and it's funny when that gets officially announced because then you'll have other marketplaces follow suit, Walmart, Target, uh, Best Buy, everyone that sells products in those retail stores or online stores also follow suit. So it's a, not just shot in arm for Amazon sellers, but if you're selling on multiple marketplaces across the board, it kind of, uplifts that entire month or that quarter so it's it's quite fascinating to be honest um it could have yeah been forward because of all the inventory issues right so you know maybe it's amazon's way of trying to you know clear out inventory and help sellers i mean that's probably idealistic you know to think that but who knows you know i mean we could talk about i've, I've i swear i've talked about that on at least 10 straight shows of the problem with the inventory game right now and how can we figure this out? And it, it's really hard to kind of give an answer to people just because of launching new products is tough. Uh, like you said, managing for specific days like Father's Day, Prime Day, moving forward, and then figuring out even the tail end of this year, we're going to have to put in those those massive orders because of Chinese New Year. I believe the Olympics is – there's something that has to happen in China that's happening on the tail end of this year that it's going to just delay even further because – I think the Olympics is happening in Japan or China. I forget which one. I should know this, but it got delayed a year. So no, I no clue whatsoever. But but it actually affects because workers going back to uh, going to the games and not whatnot would potentially have delay on um, travel and whatnot. Um, my one final question for you, Keith, uh, focused on the agency side. Do you do you do you want your clients, or I should say, not your clients, your uh, workers or employees? Do you suggest that they sell on Amazon on the side as well simultaneously, or do you say no selling? Well, what's kind of your stance on that? I'm curious. 
That's a good question. I, you know, I, I've heard some agencies, you know, say that they think it's a conflict of interest. I, I 100% disagree. I think that, you know, there's very few ways to stay uh, in the know on this industry without being in it. Right? It's 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 hard to stay up on it. You know, uh, you know, half the stuff that comes out comes out through seller messages from Amazon and updates and in seller communities and you know, uh, so, and I think that there's, uh, you know, obviously they can't sell competing products to our, from our clients. Like they, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're on very strict, um, non-competes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a little bit added kind of insight and commitment to your job when you're in the game and you're not just the, the coach on the sideline, but you're actually, you know, uh, what's that old hair club? Thing, you know like you know not only a founder i'm also the i'm also the, i'm also a member you know right like exactly be, yeah exactly in it um provides a much different perspective right and and so i uh, you know I, I think that's important so i think one two three about half of our staff sells is that something that you actually uh invest in them to sell if they're like hey i hey keith i want to like sell on amazon where should I start? Is there, is, do you guys have a vesting interest in that as well? Or is that all purely yeah, we, separated? So we do from a time and resource standpoint. We don't, from a monetary standpoint, we don't take equity in their businesses. We, you know, sure. we encourage them to grow. Um, you know, I've reviewed products for a lot of my staff and, and plans. <laughs> uh, you know, we give them services at cost and, you know, and, uh, um, you know, so anyway, I mean, there's lots of, lots of opportunities, a way to contribute to them. Yeah. But we don't, that's really cool. That's yeah. a cool opportunity. So, uh, that being said, how can people reach out to you? I know we put your social handle for, uh, Instagram or excuse me, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. I know LinkedIn at the bottom. So we did that for how they should connect with you. Instagram. So thankfully they're not going there. <laughs> I was gonna say, you're not there. You're not on the gram. No, <laughs> I, I, I think the apps on my phone, I, you know, that's about it. Right. So, um, I think for me personally, it's LinkedIn, you know, is the best place okay. to go. Um, uh, from a business standpoint, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, us working together, then, then just head over to the website page. One, um, you know, there's an 800 number there. There's, uh, there's forms you can fill out, you know, a gazillion different places. So, you know, um, we have account managers. They're getting, they'll happy to get back to you. If, you know, if you have a, you know, a sizable brand that you're looking to put under management and, and grow, then we'll probably, you know, end up talking personally in the, you know, uh, in the, our early stages. So, um, but yeah, that's the best place to do it. You know, there's you can look through a bunch of work and case studies and all that kind of stuff over there. Hey, man, I I appreciate it every time you come on here, and I'm glad you can. Uh, we found a computer that works for you on terms of the internet. You need to start start yelling at Comcast to to start living up to their upload and download speeds, man. We, we have uh, we have gig speed in the office, and uh, I mean it's 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 like you know AOL dial up from back in like 1987. And it's faster internet has uh, ruined us all, but it is what it is. You have to do business at scale, you need it. You need it to do it. So. I'll start yelling at certain people, but luckily he's the only one in the office. <laughs> I just really think half of your audience doesn't even know AOL used to have internet service. You know? <laughs> they did, oh, I, oh, we, oh, I only know all too well. So that's, uh, <laughs> man, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was long ago. We used to use those was, things as frisbees, man. I know. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. My have, times have changed. Uh, but as well, you're going to be at Prosper. So if you're not, if you're listening to this, check out, uh, page one at Prosper show. They have a booth. Ping pong has a booth. We're going to basically be booth buddies, uh, across the way from each other. Lots of good stuff that's coming up. Uh, hopefully everyone's staying safe down there. Nothing crazy happening in Florida. That's out of the ordinary other than what typical Florida is. Right. Uh, it, you know, we just, we've been open for a year. Right. So yeah, I think exactly. I think everyone just decided to not do anything about it anymore. So it's fine. We won't get into that. It's a whole other conversation. Right. Whatever side of the way you fall, hopefully everyone stays safe no matter what happens. But that being said, hey, man, thanks for hopping on again. Keith from page, uh, page one. 
Thanks so much for hopping on, man. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for awesome. having me, man. I appreciate yeah. it. No problem. Thanks, Heath. Hey, and thanks to everyone for tuning in live again on LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube. Thanks for watching. Again, this is Crossover Commerce. This is episode 110, a peek behind the mindset of an agency in the Amazon space. You don't want to miss any of these episodes. Again, tomorrow, uh, just like today, we are going to go live uh, with other Amazon experts in this space. Tomorrow, I'm actually really excited because we're going to be talking with Joshua Porter of Elite Seller, software tool that's actually going to be helping people uh, launch products now. It's kind of the ongoing topic formally, how do you launch products without getting in trouble with Amazon? What's the best way to do it? PPC, um, giveaways, coupons, rebates. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit into what Elite Seller is doing and then more on what's the insight from Josh. So stay tuned uh, for that tomorrow. The best way to know when we go live is to follow me on uh, social media. Again, on either LinkedIn, Facebook, or uh, Instagram, you can follow me, Ryan Kramer. Just search for me and you'll be able to find any of my social profiles, or just follow Ping Pong Payments as well. All of these episodes go live on our playlist on YouTube, so just go ahead and subscribe to that, though, so that you can obviously be notified when future episodes come out. Hit that notification bell. You won't be disappointed for doing that. Again, I'm Ryan Kramer, the host of Pro Crossover Commerce. Join us again tomorrow when we go live and go deep into the Amazon and e-commerce industry. Stay safe out there, everyone, and good luck selling.